Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, welcome to BT Sports podcast. Life's a pitch. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by John Cross of the Daily Mirror and Don Fifield of The Guardian. Theatre of Dreams, Old Trafford is more like a circus. The players, we are told, wanted Ryan Giggs. They didn't want Louis van Gaal at any price. They got Jose Mourinho. It won't be dull, the Premier League is brilliant soap opera, but when will an English team win the Champions League? We'll look forward to Saturday's final and analyse England's Euro preparations. Only one place to start, though, United. What do you make of it all, John? Rather embarrassing, completely unbefitting of, of Manchester United and their wonderful tradition. Um, I do think that I do feel sorry for, for Louis Van Hull. I do think that having won his first trophy, the first trophy that United have got since the departure of Sir Alex Ferguson, he's not even allowed to kind of celebrate really, and all, all eyes are on him. Look, I think it's a bit naive to suggest that Louis van Gaal really didn't know, had no inkling that he was about to be replaced until his wife told him because she'd been scrolling down on her phone. Well, <laughs> come on, if, if we guys in the media think we know and kind of suspect and kind of hear in bits and pieces, well, if he's got an agent of any sort, and I'm sure he has, then he'll be well briefed on it. I don't think it's hit him as, as a complete shock Whereas I think United in the past have always generally behaved well. And I think, obviously, they had such a long time with Sir Alex Ferguson. Winning with style, behaving with good grace. It looks a bit tawdry and it really doesn't, I don't think, fit with United and their philosophy as a club. Modern football, though, isn't it, Dom? You've got briefing going on left, right and centre. <laughs> you know, you've got a club which is you know, commercially conscious, let's put it politely. This sort of thing always happens. It's always messy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, modern football, you're right. And, and United were in, its, in their own little bubble for 20-odd years under Sir Alex Ferguson, never had to, to address situations like this. Um, and now they've had to do it twice within a matter of years, for three years. So, um, yeah, messy, definitely. But then, you know, there was a situation on Saturday evening where Louis van Gaal was pictured on the big screen lifting the FA Cup and uh, they were, he was being booed by his own club's supporters. Uh, when it was very noticeable in that stadium that what was going on. So I think his position had effectively become untenable. I don't actually feel that sorry for him at all, really. Um, I think he's he's paid the price for, for United's failure to, to finish in the top four, clearly. 
uh, with its commercial benefits, as you mentioned. Um, but also, the, the football the football's been dire. I mean, even if they had squeezed into the, the top four and, and won the FA Cup, I don't think many Manchester United supporters would have looked back with any great fondness on on Louis van Gaal's two-year tenure. That the, the football has been absolutely miserable, and that's that's what's ultimately let him down. Mm -hmm. So, can we trust Jose Mourinho to, you know, review and revive tradition? No, I don't think we can. No, I think. What is United's tradition? I think that's the first question. I think United's Use, pace, absolutely width, adventure. Yeah, and winning with style. I think I do think under Sir Alex Ferguson he embraced all of those things. That's the magic of Fergie. Say what you like about Fergie, and we all do. <laughs> he he absolutely encapsulated everything, and that's why he's a managerial great and a legend. United's best manager, surely. I mean, he did everything there, and he brought through the kids. He brought them through and still won. And I think you look at Jose Mourinho, he's going to inherit sort of parts of Fergie's legacy, the, the bits that haven't been ripped up by the sort of kind of, you know, subsequent years and seasons. And I, I think, I don't think he's going to add to that. I, I, I look at the way that sort of kind of he didn't bring through the brilliant kids that Chelsea have undoubtedly got. And why is that? Because the kids don't feel that they're ever going to get a chance. That's why they don't blossom, in my view. Mm. Um, and I don't think that he particularly... There, there was a, a first half of his last title success was entertaining football, and they played really well, Chelsea. But apart from that, it's always been methodical, almost football by numbers, a very stated way. And yes, he's employed... It, you know, spectacular players and exciting players, but he's got them to play within a framework. And I do think he will bring success for Manchester United. Everywhere it's been, it's always on a short-term basis and he leaves one hell of a mess behind him. I mean, I do think I sort of spoke with Ramon Calderon not so long back and he was sort of saying about the mess that Mourinho left behind at Real Madrid. It's going to take years to clear up, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Looks as if it still is. Yeah. But is that ridiculous? soap opera that follows him around mm. and basically he brings success he brings trophies but it's at a price and United have to ask themselves is it a price worth paying? Yeah. You've got the campaign scars haven't you Dom? <laughs> in, in both times at Sanford Bridge yeah. you know, you've seen him at close hand what's your view? You know, I'm looking at it as, as a bit of a distant observer and thinking personality wise this isn't going to work well, it will be intriguing to see quite how he fits in there. I think I think he will feel that that's a club that um, of such such size that his personality will actually fit in quite well with it. I mean, the amount of charisma he will bring to that to that role, and he'll feel that there's a club there to match his his own persona in in many ways. But uh, yeah, there are concerns about the, the style of football and whether he will bring in youth. But then, if these guys are good enough, if Rashford, as appears to be the case, is good enough to get in that United first team, then he will get in that first team under Jose Mourinho as well. Um, I think that's Jesse Lingard, you know, obviously made his mark on Saturday and I think there will be there will be games there. I think he was deeply unconvinced by the the talent that was coming through at Chelsea. And I, I know we we hail the Chelsea Academy for the achievements it's it's had with the FA Youth Cup in particular and now and then more recently in the UEFA Youth League. But I think he looked at it and thought these guys are not ready for first team football but on a regular basis. With all due respect, you're not going to believe, you're not going to be inspired, and you're not going to push on if you feel ultimately that manager up there just looks for experienced players all the Quite time. Possibly, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think that is the that is the great fall down. I know we talk about Rashford and Lingard, and yes, of course they'll be good enough to get in. 
well, they might not have been good enough in the first instance to, to convince Jose Mourinho, because if the inspiration, the goal is, isn't is, there, is it also, then it's not there. Is it also a point of the personality of young players that are being produced by the academy system, where you know there are they're very self-absorbed, yeah. you know, and you've seen, you know, if you look at what's happened at Manchester United over the last 48 hours with the briefings that are going on, you know, the revelations that United player a United player can't even cook an egg, a boiled egg. Are we uh, at Chelsea? Was Mourinho responding to that culture of players who might have technical quality, but they've got nothing else and not worldly enough? I, to be honest, at Chelsea, the problem it will always be that uh, the owner is demanding of instant success, and realistically speaking, you're not going to get that instant success chucking two or three youth team players into your first team and, and relying upon them every week. We, we're going to, we, we will look back with fondness on Louis van Gaal's tenure at United for the, the youth players that made their mark in the, in the second season, but the reality is if, if, if those injuries hadn't happened, the 14 injuries that he's, he's bleated about for most of this year, if, if some of his £200 million worth of transfers, incoming transfers last summer had, had hit the ground running, would we be talking about Marcus Rashford now? No, not at all. He'd still be playing in the, the United's development squad. Um, and Jesse Lingard would probably be out on loan again, as he has been for the last two years, pretty much. So it's just the way of the world. I and mean, there was necessity. It was thrust upon Van Gaal to use these kids because he had no, no other alternative. You know, if, if if maybe if Mourinho had been in a similar situation, maybe he would have had to do the same. Although I would say on, on the Chelsea front, I'm not particularly encouraged by news that Gus Hiddink is going to have some mm. role to play in the future involved in within that youth system, because I think that internally there is a criticism that that he didn't use his players, those young players, enough in his tenure just now as mm. interim interim manager when that was an opportunity that it was blatant, it was there, it was there to be grasped, and they, and, and they only play cameos here and there, to be mm. honest. So if we go back to the fallout at United, mm. you know, there's a lot of talk about them saying goodbye to Ryan Giggs, well, you know, a totemic figure at that football club. There's a lot of talk also about the influence of, of Mourinho's agent, Jorge Mendes, in terms of transfers. Mourinho, we're told, will have control of that transfer budget, it's a very combustible situation, isn't it? It is, and I think it's got... Well, it has got disaster written all over it, really. I think United's squad does need an overhaul as well. I think there's glaring things in defence at full-back, you know, particularly right-back, obviously, centre-half, midfield, um, <laughs> up front. <laughs> where, where do we start? And it, it's just, yeah, it will need a lot of money spent on it, and it will be really interesting to see that basically where players come from, who their agents are and who they're represented by. I mean, I did think a few weeks ago, it was really telling when I think Renato Sanchez, who's, who's Mendes player, basically ended up at Bayern Munich. And I thought at that point, you know what, maybe Mourinho's not coming after all. And I do think that this whole thing has rather been judged as a sort of a fluid moment. I do think there's, there's this feeling, obviously, that basically something's been in place with Mourinho to make sure that they can appoint him if they want to. Having said that, would it have been a different dynamic if they had finished fourth and won the cup? I suspect it might have been, because I think the one thing we can obviously say is that Edward would have wanted to give Louis van Gaal every opportunity, otherwise he would have sacked him at Christmas. Mm. I mean, it's not, it's not a particularly... It, they've spent a lot of money really badly 
on players who are not United standard. So I do think we've kind of got to be a little bit careful and kind of criticising too much moving forward because obviously the last regime hasn't worked either. So maybe it will bring some value for money. Look, if he can bring in Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I do think obviously we'll immediately say, where's that leave Rashford? What, on £600,000 a week? Well, I do <laughs> think there's that opportunity because if you balance the wages and contract against the free transfer, then the package... I don't think looks exorbitant, and he is the real deal. I think I've had doubts with him in the past, and Ibrahimovic and Mourinho are like that. They Mo are joined a modern Cantona. Well, I, th I think he could be. I think he has got that incredible presence, and I think he's got better as he's got older, and I think he brings that superstardom and kind of stardust, and I think he he can make things happen, and I think he would enjoy the sort of the role that and superstardom that he would be given under Mourinho. Yeah, we'll all be you know, getting on trains up to Manchester quite regularly next season. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Pep and Jose. Yeah. That's going to be a fantastic matchup. Yeah, it? combustible just a bit. I mean, it's that that it is it, that is fantastic. That is a, a soap opera within a soap opera. It's a, <laughs> a proper box office. That I mean, that they they really loathed each other. There was a theory going around on Saturday night when uh, Pep Guardiola was pictured in tears on the pitch of the German Cup final, that it wasn't the fact that he was leaving Bayern Munich and you know, having just won the Cup. It was actually that he just heard that Jose had been appointed <laughs> um, and that he's got him down the road as a next-door neighbour now. It's, it's, I mean, we, we, had, uh, we had the Super Cup when Chelsea in 2013, Chelsea's yes. Europa League winners played Bayern Munich. And um, the pre-match press conferences on that, for that occasion, you could just sense the needle and, and the antipathy between the two, the two men. Um, they don't want to. They don't even want to refer to each other. In some ways, actually, I mean, Guardiola's press conferences may not be the most dynamic and entertaining, but I think they will be now. I think now that he's got someone to bounce off down the road who's going to be doing doing what Jose does best and and winding people up. I think I think that that could be quite an explosive weekly occurrence. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating showdown between Jose's sound bites. And, and Pep Guardiola is desperately trying to sort of, you know, keep us all serious with kind of tactical analysis and so just ask me tactical questions. It's, I always find it amusing with, with, with managers because basically as soon as you ask them a tactical question like I did um, last night with, with Roy Hodgson about switching to a diamond, they don't actually like it. Um, so basically they sort of kind of... it's almost We are if, not worthy. We're not worthy and it's almost <laughs> questioning their tactics as if you're making a criticism rather than a actual, you know, question. But I think Guardiola is, you know, different from that. I have to say, I always it always makes me laugh. I heard one sort of media commentator from Spain sort of saying, "Oh, it'll be a it'll be a rude awakening for for the English press who used to nothing like this, and basically they'll have to learn their tactics in the most patronising way." And the next question from the presenter was all about transfers and and, and sort of kind of personalities, <laughs> and the, and the pundit from Spain rabbited on for the next ten or fifteen minutes about personalities and transfers. So, good luck with that. I mean, it's just a different style, isn't it? And I do think Dom's absolutely right. I I think the soap opera that they will bring across Manchester will be be amazing to see and it will be good fun. There's no way that Guardiola will be able to resist biting because basically Mourinho will set the traps and Guardiola will fall into it, just like everyone else has down the years. He's done, he's done for Ferguson, he, he's done for Wenger. It, you know, that's how he operates and he'll enjoy it. And to say that Guardiola will be above all that, forget it, he won't be. Mm. We've spoken here over the last few weeks about 
the sort of rebuilding job that Pep will have to do at City in terms of numbers of players coming in. Money's obviously going to be no object. What type of teams are Man United and Manchester City going to field at the start of next season? How different will they be? Well, on United's front, I mean, one of the sources quoted in, in Danny Taylor's piece in The Guardian today was suggesting that they needed 90% of their players changed. 90%. <laughs> I mean, that's that's they'll do well to get anywhere near that many in terms of an overhaul. But, but I, I I don't think we can predict what what team Manchester United will be fielding on the first day of next season. Certainly on the first day of September, after the window is closed, because that they will have the clout, they will have the financial clout, despite the fact they're not in the Champions League. They will have the magnetism um, of of Mourinho drawing players to Old Trafford and and the romance of being a Manchester United player, and they will make a. A swathe of changes to to their lineup. Um, I imagine that he will actually try and get most of his business done early, probably even if he can before the Euros, um, because that's when he's when he's been at his most effective. That's when he's done the deals, and so he's had a whole pre-season start from in July, where he's got this pretty much got the squad mm. um, that's going to take the season on. It, with Guardiola, um, I think City are probably building from a higher base. Their squad is probably stronger at the moment, but I do think it does need surgery up and down the spine of that team still. I mean, there's the major issues at, at centre-half. They've got to replace Yaya Toure in midfield, and they need, a, they need somebody to help Aguero up front. I mean, mm. they desperately need... They can't keep relying upon him and his dodgy hands doing mm. some cars. Mm. And, and there'll be a domino effect. What happens at Arsenal, for instance, John, do you think? Well, <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> no, I, look, I think they'll announce Granite Xhaka in the next couple of days. So I guess you can only say that it's kind of £35 million later. They are determined to make an impact. And I do think that will be followed with a, with a top-class striker. And also, you know, they'll look at signing a centre-half who will come in to partner uh, Lauren Koscielny as a first choice. So I do think they are... Trying, I think Welbeck's a massive blow for them, but it will just force their hand. And uh, if there are any doubts before that are going to sign a strike, they can't be now. Um, and they are trying to sort of strengthen, you know, sort of the youth setup. I do think, therefore, all of a sudden you'll see a, a stronger squad, a better squad. And I think that Wenger will feel that he can, with the right additions. And I think hopefully this this season has sort of kind of taught him a lesson that there wasn't, you know, quite a strong enough or de you know deep enough squad. Um, that, that, that basically, with the right additions, they can challenge again. And I think that will be the case generally for other clubs. They'll realise that Mourinho and Guardiola takes those clubs to another level, so they've got to respond. Mm. And whether they like it or not, whether they admit to doing it consciously or subconsciously, there's no doubt about it, everyone else will have to raise their game. Busy summer at Chelsea, I would have thought. You know, we've mentioned it very yeah. briefly earlier on. Well, the noises out of Chelsea were, you know, before before Mourinho was arriving at Old Trafford, was very much that, that it was going to be a busier summer in the transfer market than it has been in recent years. Um, a lot, maybe four, five, six going out, and you'd, you'd imagine then seven or eight coming in. Um, mm. Not all of them necessarily straight into the first team, but they they, they but need. Who's vulnerable in that five or six you talked about? Do you think? Well. Look, some of them are some of them are obvious. I mean, the Loneys will go. Pato and, and Falcao have gone. Are they there? <laughs> well, <laughs> quite. Um, they, they, they. I think there may be some doubts about Oscar. Um, I don't think um, he's really kicked on at all. Really, I think actually, when you look back at it, his his, his time at Chelsea has been largely disappointing. He's flattered to deceive quite a lot. 
Um, I know he's made some noises about staying, but I, I just I just look at him and think well, if they if they want to go to the next level, then maybe they. He's a, he's a player that could raise them a bit of money and give them a bit more leeway in the market. Um, but I think they'll obviously try and keep hold of that. They will keep hold of Hazard and hope they can rekindle that. And then what happens with Diego Costa? Does does Costa agitate to to return to Spain, which was certainly the noise for for most of last season? And then there was this, this almost like a, a U-turn at one point. But I I'd be surprised if he if he was starting there next next year, to be honest. Um, so they, that means that they they've got to bring two or three in because people like Remy, all these squad players, and people people on that of that caliber, they, they'll be gone. They'll mm. be gone. This begs the question, doesn't it, John? Are there enough players, top quality players, mm. to go around? Because Spurs will strengthen, probably look to get a bit more experience in the squad. Liverpool will have a go. You know, Leicester will use some of their money wisely. One one imagines it's going to be a really you know, boisterous summer, isn't it? Yeah, it will be. And I think the one area where I think it really strikes me is, and a few managers have raised this, is that I think there's a real dearth of top quality strikers. I think last summer was really interesting because I think you, you saw kind of almost a, a carousel. It's like the generation going on the sort of the, you know, on the <laughs> sort of conveyor belt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on the conveyor belt of holding midfield players, not an issue, not a problem. You know, sort of kind of, you know, yeah, Schneidlin up for grabs. You could have got Wanyama, I think, if you really wanted him. You know, and lots of, you know, the Portuguese um, under 21, um, Carvalho. Yeah. Um, and I just think that it's kind of, there were lots of lots of options around. If you look at the strikers, who are you looking at? I think sort of, you know, Aubameyang, sort of Lukaku, beyond that, Morata. You could say that's a lot of people, but actually it's not, because there's a lot of clubs in the market for a top quality striker all around Europe outside just not just in the Premier League look around Madrid surely they've got to replenish at some time mm -hmm. and again I think it, I, I think it will just drive prices up on the very top two or three and I think that that will will you know particularly with the TV money I think it will send prices through the roof it will be crazy summer in my view I do think particularly in the striker market because if you wanted to go a wing hang out, I think you'll have to pay a record. I really do. And I think he's, you know, I'm not sure that he's he's really a legend at this sort of, you know, or, or the sort of kind of really can can be top, top at the moment. Yeah, we, we're looking, obviously, both of you guys are off the Euros. Um, what about Marcus Rashford? Do you think he should go? I can see there's a logic in, in, in taking him, definitely. Um, I, I can see. I can see actually that, that Sterling's position might be vulnerable to, to a Rashford. Um, he, he he has been a breath of fresh air. Roy has. I mean, in many ways, Sterling was Rashford in, in 2014. He he he'd come off a very good season in, with Liverpool, and and uh, he he was a surprise package um, at the World Cup, and did very very well. Um, and Rashford could have the same effect. He, he would be an unknown quantity for, for opponents. Um, they won't have a clue. They won't have a clue about Deli Alley, but they won't have a clue at all about Marcus Rashford. It's just whether he would play enough of a role in the team um, to justify taking him now. Um, is he going to operate wide? Probably not. Um, not instinctively, anyway. Um, and they've got Kane, they've got Vardy, who loved to be playing through the middle. They've got Rooney, obviously. Sturridge, who's an outstanding striker as he proved in the in the Europa League final last week with that, with that goal it's just would Rashford 
you know, be actually, would he benefit from being there and maybe having the you know, occasional cameo potentially thrown onto the pitch? Look, he might. He's raw, he's ready. I've, I've, I re-watched the, uh, the cup final on Saturday and, and having, not, I mean, I was, I'd, I'd watched it in a different way on Saturday and, but to see his performance up close again, he, he was phenomenal. Really, really good um, talent and somebody we should be nurturing. Would you, would you pick him against Australia on Friday, John? You, know, you saw the, the, the Turkey win. Um, what were your overall impressions of that? Yeah, I think I probably would, and you've got to give him a chance. It just dep- depends, I guess, on how serious Royal Hodgson is about either kind of him being along for the ride and the experience or actually having a proper chance of, of going to the Euros. My impression was that, as you know, against Turkey, I thought it was a good workout. You know, England are 10th in the world, Turkey are 13th, unbeaten since November 2014. Yes, they were missing, you know, two players. I guess England were missing players as well, but they were missing, you know, Arda Turan, Sain. And so it's, they, they were missing players and they gave England a good test. What struck me was that when England set up as a 4-3-3, they were OK. They were very weak defensively, very vulnerable at the back. I think Stone still takes too many chances. I know we sort of say, oh, you know, we should encourage our players to play out from the back. There's got to be a mix. There's got to be a happy medium. Um, rather than get yourself into trouble. And then I just felt as soon as they went to a diamond, with, with Kane and Vardy up top, with Sterling at the tip of the diamond, um, it, it completely transformed England. England went back to the team that, that won in Germany mm-hmm. and it gave them more energy. You could see that Vardy, the marauding, brilliant striker that he's been for Leicester this season in the Premier League, his runs and his pace caused all sorts of problems on the counter and on the break. Kane reveling, you know, having a sort of striker alongside him. Surely, you know, he has to go. I think if he's going to sort of kind of go that way, then he has to go with those two in a diamond. Vardy wide does not work. It's it, well, it's a waste of time playing him there. He's either an impact from the bench or he's part of a two. He's not a wide player. Talking of wide players, I, I looked at that England defence and thought, what on earth is going to happen when Gareth Bale runs at that defence? <laughs> Yeah, look, the combination of fullbacks they played against the Turks um, are used to having Vertonghen and Aldevar out sitting deeply, who understand how those how Rose and, and Walker are going to operate, and and they cover they cover wide. Um, I thought there were a period certainly in the first half where where Rose and Walker were bombing for, so far forward, there was acres of space mm. to be hit. I mean, teams quality teams at the Euros will look at that and think. Well, we'll easily get into them. I mean, and Gareth Bale will be licking his lips at the prospect of running into that space behind. Um, so there has to be there has to be some kind of balance. I mean, I do wonder whether, come the actual finals it's, itself, the, the first choice would probably be certainly Klein. I'd imagine a right back, and whether whether he wants to play Bertrand at left back. I mean, maybe there's a bit more defensive surety there. Um, but yeah, look, we're sitting here. You know, relishing the prospect of Marcus Rashford potentially going to the years, what we wouldn't give for a 19-year-old centre-half coming through having the same impact because that is where we're at our weakest at the moment. And as much as a, as John Stones has, has got natural talent, he's he, there is there there's naivety there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cahill's not had a good season, and we saw what Chris Smalling up against a lone forward and 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 Yalik Malassi on Saturday did not look comfortable. He's not playing particularly well mm-hmm. either, so that's going to be a weak link. First off, Gareth Bale's got the little matter of a Champions League final against Atletico Madrid. Um, 
he's really impressed me this season. OK, mm. he's had some injury problems, but he's, he's really matured and is a really good advert for a British player you know, adding something to his game abroad. Will he be a b big figure on Saturday night? I think so, yes. I also think we should sort of kind of almost rejoice in the fact that a British player has been so bold, been so ambitious and has been so brave to go abroad. And almost sounds patronising in, in, in saying that because, you know, it doesn't seem the biggest thing in the world. But actually, no-one else is doing it. And Gareth Bale deserves so much credit, I think, for going to Madrid and, and really standing out on his own, being a superstar in a team of superstars, basically, because of his talent there. And I think he's done wonderfully well. Yes, he has been sort of kind of slightly dogged by injuries. I think he's obviously had, you know, particularly his first year, I think he's, you know, I think we shouldn't, uh, ignore the fact that he won in Champions League and scored in the final in the first year. Not bad going. Um, and I, I just think he, he has been a fantastic advert for other British players to go abroad. I think you can improve so much as a player, but also as a personality, as an individual and as a footballer, all-round completed person. And without question, in my mind, I think Bale has done that. I wouldn't put it past him because he's such a talent and has such ability to go and dominate the Champions League final. We can do that. He's got that within his locker. What about Atletico? You know, it's always seemed to me, Dom, that Diego Simeone is the best manager that Chelsea have never had. He's perfect to that sort of siege mentality that you get at the bridge. What's your view of that Atletico team and the, and the redeeming qualities that they have? Well, I love watching them. Um, they, they're not, they're not, they're not dour. They, they have, they have got some some great flair and creativity and pace in that team as well. They've also got incredible discipline in terms of defensive assuredness. Um, that, that game, the second leg in the Bayern Munich game, I came, it came off straight off the back of the, the, the Chelsea Spurs frenzy uh, 24 hours later. It was the most incredible game of football going. I mean, you looked at it and you thought, Atletico Madrid have... Have, uh, have really been tested here. There was not like Bayern Munich had 30-odd attempts at goal in, in that match. And yet, Atletico defended fantastically, mm. despite shipping 30-odd attempts. If it happens in a Premier League match, you're thinking, this team's incredibly vulnerable. No, not with, not with Atletico. And they have that bite. Griezmann is some player. He has the the skill and, and ability that could illuminate the Euros in the summer. I think we might be seeing him in the Premier League soon, do you? I think, well, a lot of Premier League clubs would love to have him. They would lo love to have him, but I think Atletico will fight tooth and nail to keep him. And there's talk of a talk of a new contract over there as well, isn't there? So, look, it wouldn't surprise me if, 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 if Premier League clubs were, were putting the feelers out for him because he's got everything. He, he can operate wide, he can operate through the middle, he's a natural goal scorer, he's got skill, he's got ability, he can hold the ball up as well. I mean... He's almost sort of crept under the radar. I mean, he's, 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 his own story is pretty remarkable as much as he's a French international, but he's played all his professional career over in Spain. Um, and he, he will become France's talisman in the absence of Benzema this summer. Mm -hmm. So, make your mind up time. If we're looking forward to the Champions League final, predictions, please, chaps. I would like Real Madrid to win, and I, uh, I think they will win because I do think it would be a victory for more attacking football. I do think sometimes we get wrapped up in this Diego Simeone worship. And yes, they're a good team to watch. And yes, they're well coached, but they are defensive. Why, why do we love football? We love football for the glory of the game, the exciting moments. Atletico don't provide many of those. I'm sorry, but he's a defensive coach. 
and people who go on and on about him, well, good luck, you appoint him, you'll be bored rigid over the course of a Premier League season. I think he's an outstanding manager, but he's an outstanding defensive manager. Please go and win it, Real Madrid. Tom? 3-0 at Atletico Madrid, absolutely wiping the floor with Real Madrid with absolute fantastic attacking football throughout. No, I, I, think, I do think they'll gain revenge for, for what happened a few years back, and I think Atletico will nick it 2-1. Well, they say the game's about glory. Now, Gareth Bale, your time has come. You'll have the perfect preparation for the Euros. Thanks for joining us here on Life's a Pitch. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.